0: Yes, come on in the room. Come on in the room. What is up, my beautiful family? Thank you so much for joining me on tonight. And listen, I've been waiting for you and you and you since Thursday night. This word on tonight, God, I'm being obedient. It is not the direction that I thought we would go for part three of this World changes series. But I firmly believe it is going to bless your life. So come on in the room, everybody, take your screenshot, tag us. Thank you for all the small groups, all of your love, all your subscriptions. And putting everybody on about this particular series, I believe it is a game-changer series. So I have a lot to share with you and not a lot of time to do it. Um, I want to get straight to work, but I want to remind you, this message on tonight is going to greatly complement this book. This book entitled, Where Are the Men?, Last time I talked about this book, we sold out within a week or two, and so now we have a fresh stock of books that just came in. So where are the men? This is a particular book that was published and authored by my mother, and it is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, one of the top questions that I always get is, where are these men at? Where are they at, though? Where are they at? Where are they got the men at? Where are the kings? And I believe this book can give you some answers. So go to RedefineTV.net products, and you'll be able to get this book before they run out. So John chapter 21, the gospel of John, John chapter 21. We're going to launch our reading at verse 15. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. It's probably getting awkward now. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him again a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Now, you might be confused about this particular passage of Scripture if you don't know the backdrop of this. Just a few days ago, Jesus was with all of his disciples, and he was articulating to them that tonight all of y'all are going to go ghost on me. All of y'all going to leave me nobody's going to be around. And everybody starts looking at each other like, no, nah, that ain't me. No, nah, he tripping. I mean, he know how to give a word. I mean, he is the word in flesh. he be prophesying, but I'm not about to do that. And Peter just stepped up and said, Lord, listen, I need you to understand this. I'm going to go to the grave for you. i die for you. i love to have somebody tell you something in a moment. And then he get real and it's like, where are he at? Jesus is like, "Um, Peter, before the rooster crows, three times on the night, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, Never. That's never going to happen. I'm about this life. I'm a real one. It's never going to happen. So fast forward there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this mob comes with the chief priests and the Sadducees, and Judas comes up, and he kisses Jesus on the cheek, which is a sign that this is the one that y'all are looking for, which is a whole word. I could do a whole message about be careful with who's kissing on you, because sometimes the kiss is not a kiss of endearment. It's a kiss of betrayal. We'll revisit that later in 2021. And so then after that, Jesus looks at Judas and he's like, you betraying the son of man with a kiss. This has to happen so that the scriptures will be fulfilled. They take Jesus, arrest Jesus. They're beating Jesus, spitting on Jesus. And Peter's walking behind. He's watching all of this. And he's probably like, man, they're beating the brakes off Jesus. And somebody walks up and they say, yo, you, you were with him. He said, No, I, I, don't know this, I don't know this man. I don't, I don't know him. And he's looking and he's seeing them just beat Jesus up and spit at Jesus, blindfolding him, punching him, saying, tell us, prophesy, who hit you? Laughing and mocking. And Peter's probably starting to get nervous. And then one person looks at him and says, you, you are with him. I, I thought I saw you before in the temple. Aren't you a disciple? He said, no, I, I've never seen this dude before. I don't know who y'all talking about. So now we're starting to get real. I believe Peter now starts to, get, starts to begin to calculate, okay, they're gonna treat everybody who claims to be with him like that. And this one girl rolls up on, on Peter as he's warming himself by the fire and says, You are, you are one of them. Hey, y'all, he is one of them. Cause his accent gives it away. And so now Peter has to let them know, I'm not a disciple. He's like, Man, I don't bleep know what y'all talking about. I bleep told you I don't know him. Why y'all keep bleeping with me? I don't bleep, 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 know him. So bleep, bleep, stop bleeping with me. I told y'all I don't know him. Why y'all keep bleeping with me? then the Bible says the rooster crows three times and the eyes of Peter meets the eyes of Jesus in that moment could y'all just imagine he's cussing people out I don't know him I don't know what y'all bleeping talking about and Jesus looks directly at Peter and the rooster crows and the gravity of that moment hits him Peter before the rooster crows three times you're gonna deny me he was ashamed. He runs off. Jesus gets crucified. He dies. And three days later, he gets up with all power in his hand. Now, y'all, notice in all these threes, you're gonna deny me three times. There were three people on Calvary's Hill. And Jesus was in the grave for three days, and then he asked Peter three times, Do you love me? I believe sometimes God is like, I'm not just gonna do it one time. I'm not just gonna do a double. I'm gonna give you triple confirmation so that you know you're still my son. I'm gonna give you triple confirmation that I still want you. I'm gonna give you triple confirmation that you still have the oil on your life. I understand that things have happened, but I still want you. I still value you. I still need you for a purpose. I still have an assignment on your life. And so now I believe in this moment when Jesus is asking Simon Peter do you love me he's probably like, don't tell him I'm gonna deny you again I yes, whatever you say Lord you know all things you know you know that I love you just like you knew last time that I was going to deny you just don't tell me I'm gonna do it again <laughs> I gotta make the Bible come alive verse 17 he said to him the third time Simon son of Jonah do you love me Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time do you love me and he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Church family, the question, the tone, the theme of this particular conversation in this biblical narrative that I would like to bring your attention and your awareness to for tonight's preaching presentation is this question that Jesus asked Simon Peter redundantly. It's this question that he delivered To Simon Peter three times emphasis on Simon and Peter because Simon was his birth name Peter was his rebirth name listen I don't want you to breeze past this if you have not discovered this yet I want you to know that there lives a Simon and a Peter on the inside of you Yes, ma'am, as beautiful as you are, there is a Simon and there is a Peter that lives on the inside of you. My dude, as fly as you are, there is a Simon and there is a Peter that lives on the inside of you. Me, myself, I'm right here with you preaching high-pitched. There is a Simon and there is a Peter that lives on the inside of me. Simon, that's your comfortable self. But Peter, that's your world-changer self. Yeah, yeah, Simon, that's your petty self. But, but Peter, that's your powerful self. Simon, that's your I'll cuss a heifer clean out self. But Peter is I have learned self-control, and I don't have to return energy at the same level that you came at me on. You have just Percy learned self-control. Some things I return to sender. You have negative energy. That's your issue. Return to sender. You upset. Return to sender. You don't like them. That doesn't mean I have to stop liking them. Return to sender. That's your issue. That's your issue. Your, your, your Simon nature, oh, that's your ratchet self. But your Peter nature, that's your righteous self, not because of your own works, because your life is hid in Christ and Christ is righteous. So when God sees you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see you. All he sees is his son. All he sees is his son. Simon is the now level you, and Peter is the next level you. And I wonder, is there anybody watching this message on tonight that you've discovered that there are two yous who live inside of you? There are two yous that live inside of you. We can call it flesh and spirit. We can call it Simon and Peter. We can call it Israel. We can call it Jacob. There are two yous on the inside of you. And therefore, there's this war that you and I have been drafted in. You didn't sign up for it, but there's this war that you and I will always engage in until we are in the grave or until Jesus takes us out of this earth, and that is the war of constantly crucifying my Simon so that I could daily surrender my Peter. The war is real of me constantly crucifying my Simon so that I could daily surrender my Peter. Now, understanding this information changes everything. Because when you understand that there's a Simon and there's a Peter on the inside of you, I now can make choices that are conducive to my Peter versus choices that strengthen my Simon. So good, y'all. So I need to have friends who strengthen my Peter, not friends who agitate and rattle my Simon. I need to attend a church that doesn't strengthen my Simon. No, but it activates my Peter. I need to be in atmospheres that are conducive to my Peter self versus atmospheres that are rattling my Simon self. Listen, it was a few winters ago here in Houston, Texas. Right now it's cold. It might even snow tonight. I'm hoping it does. We don't get that often here in the city of Houston. But a few winters ago, it was like cold, cold. We live in a tropical climate. Anything below 50 degrees is considered closed to Houstonians. But this particular winter, this particular night, it dropped below 20. It was like 17 or 18 degrees this particular night. And I left a bottle of water in my car. And I came to my car the next morning to head up to the office to come up to the church. And I noticed that the water in that bottle started to turn into ice. <laughs> I didn't change the bottle. I didn't take the capsule off. I didn't do nothing to the water. It's just that what what was on the inside had to change due to the atmosphere and I want to have a church, and I want to have a ministry where I'm not really tripping about your bottle. I'm not really tripping about your capsule, but if you keep coming here, you can't help but change on the inside. If you keep watching, you can't help but change on the inside. If you keep on binging sermons, if you keep on staying in God's face, if you keep on praying, if you keep on reading, if you keep on fasting, if you keep on serving, it's not necessarily that your bottle has changed. It's that the atmosphere has changed, and it is Changing what's on the inside of you. And it's the same thing with you killing your Simon. I can't be in atmospheres that change the state of my Peter and cause me to transition to Simon. (laughs) This is so good, y'all. Simon, Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me? Love. I was about to start singing a word that comes and goes. Back to the message. Love. (laughs) Love is paramount for the Christian. Listen, y'all. It is the litmus test. It is the ID. It is the identification card. It is a social security number that proves if you are truly an organic follower of Jesus. Love. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. By the way you preach. Nah. By the way you sing. Negative. By the way you post, negative. By the way you share this World changer series, negative. Men will know that you're mine by the way you love one another. Love for the Christian is our foundation. Love and repentance, that is our foundation. And really, you could tell if somebody truly loves you by how willing they are to be inconvenienced for your benefit. Oh, I feel like that hit somebody in the chest. Yeah. yeah. You you can tell how much somebody really loves you by how willing they are to be inconvenienced for your benefit. Here's a question that's going to come for your throat. How willing are you to be inconvenienced so that God may get the glory in and through you? He says, listen, if you love me, I need you to feed my sheep, tend my sheep. Die which gives me glory and follow my person and my principles. (laughs) You need five love languages. Jesus just needs four. (laughs) You need five love languages. I just need four. I need you to feed my sheep. I need you to tend my sheep. I need you to die to yourself which gives me glory. And I need you to follow my principles and my person. So a lot of us who are claiming to love Jesus, we have to ask ourselves this question. Do I feed his sheep? Do I tend his sheep? Do I die to myself so that he may be glorified? And do I follow the principles of Jesus? Because a lot of us are cool with the person of Jesus. Oh, but we got issues with the principles of Jesus. Do you love me? And this message on tonight, church family, I believe is all about the kingdom agenda. In prayer, I felt God was leading me tonight for part three of this world changer series let's speak around this thought from this subject just for a few moments when a man loves jesus when a man loves jesus just imagine how we could change our world if we have men who have fallen in love with jesus so, God, we pray right now in this moment, would you flood this atmosphere? Would you, would you anoint my lips so that I could be your oracle, the PA system, the soundtrack of heaven? All of the study means absolutely nothing if I'm seen and you're not. So, I pray, God, that you make me invisible so that you could be seen as visible. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. And everybody who agrees to that prayer, would you drop in the room? Amen. Amen. Simon, do you love me. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, die for me. That gives me glory and follow my principles. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I would like to redeem to the best of my capability the kingdom agenda. I feel as though that is my assignment to redeem in the earth the kingdom agenda. Just because it's not preached about and just because it's not a normal message and just because it's not Father's Day. <laughs> just because it's not June or Father's Day, Father's Day does not mean we cannot talk about a huge issue in the body, a huge issue in the earth. And that is men who have not fallen in love with Jesus. Maybe what I'm trying to articulate to you is true change could happen when we have more men who are like Peter and less men who are like Simon. When a man loves Jesus, and you know how I do this confession time, you don't have the right to remain silent. Everybody, get your trigger fingers ready. I need you to put this in the room in all caps. Can I get everybody to put this in the room in all caps? God recalibrate my soul so that I may carry out the kingdom agenda. <clears throat> Say that one more time. Listen, I'm just a man who believes that there is life and death is in the power of your tongue. So your mouth is either a delivery unit or it is a grim reaper. But I believe we're going to give birth to something. God recalibrate my soul so that I may carry out the kingdom agenda. The kingdom agenda. Agenda. I want to be an individual who starts to live life the king's way, the kingdom agenda. And the reason I feel as though we have to start this conversation talking about men is because it is impossible for you to love Jesus, but then treat people like trash. Where they do that at, though? (laughs) You can speak in tongues, but you can't use that same tongue to speak to your brother, to speak to your sister. Y'all, it's going to get hot in here tonight. I should have told y'all to get ready. I'm, I'm just convinced you can't do it. My assignment is to redeem the kingdom agenda. I know it's not normal. I know the question is where are the men at? Where they at, though? Please tell me. I need to know where they at, though. I'm trying to tell you, and I'm trying to discuss it. Because this is a true issue in the earth. I'm just fully convinced that true kingdom kingdom men are joy contributors, not trauma deliverers. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Y'all getting hot, too? I'm getting hot. (laughs) True kingdom men are joy contributors, not trauma deliverers. Now, listen, listen, listen. I need us to fully understand this. I need us to fully understand this. It is not always our job to point out other people's problems. You have to first start engaging in the problems that God has called you to fix on your life. Before you start pointing out all the problems on everybody else, I think that we have to get to the place and we have to get to the understanding that just because a man claims to be kingdom does not mean he is. First of all, kingdom men practice zipper control. Oops. We know how to control our flesh. (laughs) I feel like it's getting real, y'all. I feel like it's getting real. This is why I'm preaching this. I'm not trying to grow my platform. I'm not trying to make me look good. I'm trying to talk to a deficit that is residing in the earth. We need men who love Jesus so much so to where I'm giving off joy. Notice I did not say happiness because joy is a state, but happiness is an invitation. Joy is a state, but happiness is an invitation because it really doesn't matter how awesome a man is. It really doesn't matter how dope a man is or how much he loves Jesus. If there is a particular person, if there is a particular woman that you do not have joy in your soul, if you don't know how to Find the joy. What does that mean? Sometimes you're faced with situations where it is a tough situation. It is a difficult season, but you have to learn how to find the joy. Find something to be grateful for. Father God, I thank you that I have food in the refrigerator. I know I'm fasting, God, but I thank you if I wanted to, I could go downstairs and eat it. Somebody couldn't do that. For that, I say thank you. God, I thank you for my health and my strength that I'm still sane in the membrane. What happened to me a few years ago should have made me lose my mind, but I still woke up in my right mind. For that I give you praise God I thank you for my children I thank you that they are children who are saved There are people who love and follow you I thank you that you saved me I thank you that you delivered me I'm thankful that you called me I'm thankful that you chose me I'm thankful that you saw me as worth dying for Find the joy Can I get somebody put in the room? Find the joy Find the joy Because sometimes if she has a deficit in this area It's not due to your treatment is due to her own contamination. Something within her is or has been polluted. I had to give that disclaimer because parts of this message, my lady's going to be like, preach, boy. Then the other parts going to be like, I don't like him. And then there are going to be parts of this message where my brother's like, I feel you. And the other parts of this message going to be like, that was tough there, Jay. <laughs> this is going to come for both genders because we are redeeming the kingdom agenda. And there's one thing I've learned from just counseling people, from pastoring, and i really learned this from from my mother. If you really want to know if a man is real, if you really want to know if what he presents is his true self, not always, but one of the ways, one of the ways that you really could tell if what he is preaching, he's practicing, is by looking at the countenance of his wife. Oh, it's about to get hot, y'all. It's about to get hot. Have y'all ever seen a preacher? And I mean, he's preaching the paint off the walls. I mean, he's preaching. He's he's sweating like I'm doing right now. He's shouting. But when you look at First Lady, she's zoned out. (laughs) Oh, it's about to get real. She looks like she's zoned out. Hallelujahs are present. Amens are present. Preach pastor is present. But she looks totally absent. And I know somebody may be watching this message but like, that's not fair. She could just have gas. That, that's, that's not fair. She could have had a hard night. It's difficult. You know, you don't know. She could be sore from her Zumba class. And I'll give that to you. But every Sunday, though, <laughs> every Wednesday, every Thursday for the, for the last two or three years. Or have you noticed there has been a shift in her joy meter ever since he arrived, but he keeps acting like everything is cool. Why y'all looking at me like that? I'm talking about this being real. How, do, how does this type of thing happen? I'm not saying that it always happens, but I am saying ever since you arrived, why is it her joy has a downward decline? And you call yourself a kingdom man, a kingdom man. It's impossible for me to love Jesus and then pe- treat people like trash. And I understand we all have our rough spots and we all have our difficult seasons. All I'm attempting to articulate to you is it should not be a constant withering under his husbandhood. It should not be a constant withering under his, under his leadership. But he presents to the world everything is okay. Yes, yeah, get real, y'all. Listen, why does this happen? This is the kingdom agenda. It is because women are wired to help and men have been wired to lead. The kingdom agenda, I know it's not popular, but we don't follow culture, we follow kingdom. You have been wired to be a helper. He has been wired to be a leader. My sisters, we just have to make sure that we have the discernment enough. And what is discernment? Discernment is the ability to see beyond presentation. Discernment is when you have a prayer life and you're asking God over a particular opportunity or an offer and God helps you perform a spiritual MRI on a thing. God, give me discernment to see beyond presentation. I have to have discernment so that I don't take every broken man who takes interest in me as a rescue mission. Them them not being ready is not your responsibility to fix. And we have to be so whole and know who we are in Christ and know our value to such a degree that we can let things go when God informs you this is not sent from me. The reason it's hard for us to let things go is because when you open yourself up to a man, he doesn't just penetrate your body, but he also penetrates your spirit. He didn't just penetrate your body, but he penetrated your mind. This is why you can't get him out your head because you keep letting him in your bed. (laughs) See, now I'm on the lady's side. I told you we're coming. It is the kingdom agenda I'm trying to redeem for us to understand. Sometimes I didn't know. And we have to get to a place where we forgive ourselves for all the times I left me behind to chase them. Who is that for? Forgive yourself for all the times you left you behind to chase them. And if there's one thing Jerry has learned, it is I have learned sometimes I'm chasing people who don't want to be caught. Chasing people who don't want to be caught. Women were wired to help. Men were wired to lead. And for my brothers, we have to understand, nobody wants to follow a man who's not going anywhere. Where you going, bruh? What's your plan? What's your vision? What has God birthed you in the earth to do? Nobody wants to follow a man who's not going anywhere. So if I'm going to be a leader, I have to be led myself. The king has to lead me so that I as a king could lead my family into the kingdom agenda. Did y'all hear what I just said? The king... Is leading this king so I can lead my queen and my offspring into the kingdom agenda. One more time. The king is leading the king so I can lead my queen and offspring into the kingdom agenda. I'm a king. It's just Jesus is the king of kings. And I have to follow him. Nobody wants to follow a man who is not going anywhere. Why is it every time somebody challenges you and asks you a question, you just, I don't know. 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 What's your vision? Where are you going? And the second thing we have to understand is you can never lead a woman who views your interest in her as an escape from loneliness. Because once you escape her from loneliness, I'm done. (laughs) That's all I wanted. I'm no longer single. I didn't care about purposefulness. I cared about sex and selfies. It's more about me posting on the gram. Ooh, it's getting real. It's more about me posting on the gram. It's more about me looking happy than me being in purpose. So if you select one who just wants to be redeemed from loneliness, it's going to be hard to lead a woman like that because I didn't sign up to be a wife. I signed up to post. (laughs) Ooh, this is so good, y'all. You are wired to be a helper. He is wired to be a leader. And I'm not a woman. But if I was, I would ask myself this question. Would I be cool with that being my head? Say a lot right there. Let it just sink in. It's not about how he makes you laugh. He's so stupid and you keep kicking keep, keep in his face. It's not about that. It's not about his body and how swole he is and his bank account. It's not about that. It's, it's, can this be my spiritual covering? Can this man pray for me? Can, Can I catch him in the middle of the night watching over my children and praying over my family? He don't have to be Jesus Jr., but he does have to know Jesus at least. I need him to at least know the king because if he loves Jesus, then at least he'll know how to love me. I understand it'll take time to learn personality traits and take time to learn our chemistry. But if I have the foundation that you love Jesus, I know you cannot love him and then treat me like trash. I I just want to know, do you love him? I'm not a woman. But if I was, I would ask myself the question, could I view that being my authority? Could I view that as being an individual who has the final say? Could I, well, it's getting real. Let me give y'all a Bible y'all can see this. I feel like it's getting hot. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. I have to say this. Your boyfriend is not your head. I don't care if y'all living together, and I don't care if y'all paying bills. He is not your head. Headship is for covenant only. Yes, it is for covenant only you can act like you married, but in the spirit realm I'm trying to redeem the kingdom agenda It is for him to first know me and then since he first knows me He follows me so that when he is introduced to you and you follow him You are gonna follow in line with the kingdom agenda because I have his heart. I have his mind I have his desires. That is the kingdom agenda. I know it's not normal, and I know that's not the way of culture viewing things, but we were not called to be cultural. We were called to be biblical. Jesus kept on saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. It was the constant theme throughout his ministry. It is because he was trying to get us To live a life of kingdom citizenship. I don't adopt cultural trends. In this world, I am an alien. I am a sojourner. I am a pilgrim. I'm just passing through. I don't adopt the cultural trends. I live kingdom. I live kingdom. So your your boyfriend, your fiance that y'all been engaged for four years, oops, that's that's, that's not your head. (laughs) That's not your head. Headship, that's daddy. And all the children... This is my highest authority. When you get married, this is why at weddings, they say, who gives this woman over to this man? And the father will stand up and say, I do. That is the transferring of authority. I no longer have headship over her. She was under me. Once again, this is the kingdom agenda. I know it's not normal, but I'm trying to teach you Bible. It has transferred from him over to him and so now he is the authority if you have a problem with that just don't get married that's fine just 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 don't get married or don't select someone who's not loving jesus already and doesn't have jesus as his head already you ain't got nothing to worry about it both of y'all head is jesus it's only scary when it's only scary when we're wanting kingdom blessings by living cultural ways that's when it becomes scary. When I want Broadway blessings while shacking with narrowway patterns, that's when it gets scary. It gets scary when I want lukewarm Christianity. I want some of this and I want some of that. I want some of this and I want some of that. That's when it gets scary. But God's original desire for the home. Women, you are the life givers, men, you are the seed planters. We plant, she blooms. Y'all hear me. We plant, she blooms. He waters, she glows. Now the problem becomes, if you claim to be watering, but she's withering. All right, here it is. Here it is. If you claim to be watering, but your ministry is withering, your business is withering, your home is withering, why are you questioning the condition of the flower? We need to question the condition of the water. Could it be the way you talk or the way you don't talk? Could it, could it be how you do things or the things you don't do? Don't always, blame the water. don't always blame the flower. That's what Adam did. It's this woman you gave me. What about your role as a, as a leader? Understand, headship simply means I'm first in all things. I'm modeling first what it looks like to live a surrendered life. I'm first in discipline. I'm first in integrity. I'm first in honesty. See, I'm trying to get us to understand this. The original intent for God, discipleship was supposed to start in the home y'all know that? It was, it was that son supposed to see his daddy loving his mama. It's supposed to start in the home. It's, it's the daughter seeing her mother being loved on by her daddy. That's the kingdom agenda. I understand that we didn't all do it right. The goal should be for us to get back to the kingdom agenda. Matter of fact, maybe that's the question you should ask yourself when you're about to make a decision. Does this get me closer to the original kingdom agenda? The decision, dating him, doing this—does this get me closer to the kingdom agenda? She was supposed to see how respectful daddy was with his wife. He was supposed to see his daddy doing dishes. He's not just sitting down eating, but he's washing dishes too. This not old school. All oh, y'all look at me like that. He's supposed to see that men serve too. He's supposed to see daddy sweeping and daddy mopping so when he grows up it's not it's not abnormal for him to serve maybe it's so abnormal for men because when daddy's not there we have no image to abstract from we have no discipleship and a lot of times mother's doing the best she can but she's tired because she's trying to do everything she can on her own strength and there's some things that he's missing but the original intent from God was for there to be mommy and daddy and this is how discipleship first starts I'm going to give you Bible. Y'all, y'all need some more Bible? I'm going to give you Bible. All right, let's check this out. Um, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Therefore, biblical manhood is I cannot stay in daddy's wallet and steal a mama's breast. What well, my mama said. My mama. When we well, knew my mama. That's not biblical manhood. Leave that. Cleave to the wife. We too become one flesh ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 it says and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up uh oh in the training and admonition of the lord it it starts at home it starts at home I, i i want us i want us to get this i believe men are video and women are audio See, because a lot of us know that men are visual creatures, right? But there's a part of this that you probably haven't considered. It's not just how we see, but it's also how we're seen. Okay? We're visual creatures. And this is how men can be great fakers. Because we are visual creatures. So I know how to present to you a visual that's not real. We are masters of visualization. Somebody, please stop looking at me like that. Have you ever met one that presented a visual, but then when you met that person, they're not the person that they presented themselves to be? This visual is false. It is false, sir. It's because we are visual creatures. (laughs) This is so good, but I feel it's so tough at the same time. Now, this is why it's so beautiful if we could do things the king's way, because if video can connect with audio, we have a beautiful picture in the earth. Now I know some ladies watching this like, oh, listen, Jay, I was following you, but I'm visual too. I'm visual too. I hear you. <laughs> I'm visual too. But it's, it's, it's a lot of times about audio, her being heard, him listening to what she has to say, her side mattering, her having a voice, her also engaging in the conversation. It's audio. It's audio. I want you to see this. Right now, you don't even see me, but you hear me. You hear what I'm saying, you hear the word, you hear the message, this is how a lot of ladies are, your audio. Now nothing's wrong with your Wi-Fi, you don't have to close this out, you're not about to see, you're now about to see me, but you're not about to hear anything. Back together, if video... And audio can get together. Now we have a masterful image in the earth. But sometimes the reason it's so difficult for us to work together as brother and sister or husband, as wife, is because you're only operating in video and you're not considering that you need audio. Or you're only operating in audio, but you're not considering that you need video. But when we come together, that's how we create a picture. I can't tell you how many disagreements my wife and I got in in our marriage because I'm video and I'm not considering that she's audio. I learned real quick, like year two of marriage, she doesn't want you to talk, bro. She wants you to listen. That's it. (laughs) Don't interject your thought. She she just wants you to listen. She's going to talk for a minute. All right? So you got to be patient. You know, patience is is the ability to survive. Not yet. (laughs) We have yet got to the main reason of this conversation, but we're going to get there yet. We're going to get there. I learned quickly. A lot of times she's just venting. And so what I would do is I, was, I would cause problems by trying to fix the problem. I would cause problems by immediately trying to fix the problem, not recognizing right now I just need to go off. I need to just vent. I'm audio. I'm trying to help us, y'all. I'm trying to help us. This, this is a way that when we come together, we could impact the world, the kingdom agenda. Listen, the enemy doesn't care if you have a life. He, doesn't, he just doesn't want you to have that life. Hell is not nervous if you have a life. That's cool. It only gets nervous if you have that life. We're no threat to the enemy if we have a life. We only become a threat when we have that life. And what is that life? Is life the king's way. Kingdom life, world changer life. Kingdom life is when you're walking around in your right mind and you know who you are and whose you are. That's kingdom. Kingdom life is when you understand that heaven follows me, but hell fights me. That's kingdom life kingdom life is when you understand yea even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil why because my God is with me that's kingdom life kingdom life is when you understand that I could I could trade on serpents and scorpions and over all the works of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me it doesn't mean that weapons won't form it just means that they won't prosper that's when you understand that your kingdom kingdom life is when you're fasting and you're praying and through your prayer and your fasting you're un locking doors that the enemy thought he had bolted that's that's, that's kingdom life. When you live a kingdom life, it will have the devil have a Zoom call with all his demons. Okay, listen. How did they get over that depression? I'm confused. How would they still worship in the global pandemic? I'm confused. How are they still sane in the membrane and they've been furloughed? I'm confused. How did they still have joy and they were betrayed? I'm confused. How did they miss that landmine of doubt? I'm confused. How did they miss that pitfall of that distraction? I'm confused. How are they still giving me praise, giving God praise in the midst of all of this because your praising your worship confuses the enemy. Praise is thanking God for what he has done, what he is going to do, and what he is currently doing. Worship is thanking God for who he is. (laughs) Do I have anybody in the room that knows how to still thank God and worship him and praise him in the midst of a global pandemic? This is not going to mute my thankfulness. Look at this. I want to give you Bible. I want to give you Bible. Judges chapter 20, verse 18. Look, the Israelites went up to Bethel and inquired of God. They said, who of us is to go up to fight against the Benjamites? The Lord replied, Judah shall go first. Somebody got it. Somebody else missed it. Okay, before we fight, this is who we're going to fight. Who should go up first? Judah should go up first. What is Judah? Praise. What if I told you praise doesn't just happen at the finish line. It happens before you even get started. I don't have to know the answer. I don't have to know the outcome. But I'm going to worship God right now because of who he is, what he's doing, what he has done, and what he is going to do. And I think we need to pause for the cause, pull over, put a quarter in the meter, and give God a virtual praise break because I'm not going to praise him at the finish line. I can thank him before I even run the race. This is so good, y'all. This is the original kingdom agenda. God made Adam first. He put Adam in the garden first. He gave Adam identity first. He gave Adam a job first, legal one. He presented himself to Adam first. Before a woman ever came on the scene, God and Adam had time with one another. So, I'm already in love with my Maker before anything else enters my life. This is why it's so important that you go off the garden, not just the visual. The garden is symbolic of His relationship with the Lord. And if you don't pay attention to His garden, you'll be deceived and tricked by His visual presentation because we are visual creatures. When a man loves Jesus, he has time with him in the garden so he can get to know him. Unmowed gardens give room for snakes. And this is how we keep getting bit by stuff is because I just went off the visual, but I didn't look at the garden first. And so I believe there's some type of men, seven types of men that the enemy tries to cause us to become so that we can never operate in this kingdom agenda. We have the running man, the hard man. The angry man, the hurt man, the parasitic man, the mothered man, and the blind man. This is so powerful, y'all. Seven types of men that I believe the enemy tries to cause us to be so that we could never operate in manifesting this kingdom agenda in the earth. A running man, a hard man, an angry man, a hurt man, a parasitic man, a mothered man, and a blind man. I'm going to go through these fast because I'm almost out of time. A running man. This is the man who always runs from his responsibilities. Constantly runs from This brother will get you so irritated because he's very inconsistent. He runs. This brother constantly goes ghost. Sometimes they don't go ghost because of something that you have done. They go ghost because the real them is about to make their debut. You're so real that it's about to expose that I'm fake. And since I'm running from me, the only problem is I can never outrun me. I see who I'm running from is about to catch up, so I go ghost. I know that you're the collateral damage of that warfare, but it's really not about you. I'm running for myself. The hard man, this is the man. Remember I told you, we're visual creatures. So we could be going through something, and it really hurts us. And we're acting like we're hard, but we're really dealing with pain. Because we think masculinity equates hardness. So this man is not tender. This is crazy. God said, Adam, dress and keep the garden. Tend the garden. Tend my sheep. If he doesn't tend the sheep and tend the garden, what makes you think he's going to be tender to you? (laughs) Hard man. The angry man and the hurt man are almost interchangeable. The angry man is the man that something hurts and he doesn't know how to handle it. He doesn't know how to handle it, so it comes off in the form of anger. It's not always that he has anger issues. There's some hurt on the inside of him. This this turmoil, this typhoon of emotion is on the inside of him, and he wants to be healed from it, but he doesn't know how to yet. And so now, every person he encounters, he's also going to hurt by default because he's hurting himself, and he's angry over the fact that he's hurting. The parasitic man, this is the man who lives off of you. He gets life off of you, which bleeds into the mothered man. The mothered man is a son that was mothered to death. So he's not looking for wife. He's looking for mama. These type of men look to move in with you. They look for you to cook for them. Ooh, they look for you to have sex with them. They look for you to do everything for them. They're not trying to lead you. They're looking for you to mother them. This is what I believe the enemy tries to do with men so that we can never be the kingdom men. And lastly, the blind man, we can't see ourselves. So God God has called us to be image bearers, right? So all of us, all of us right now, I'm sweating. Y'all have me just up here looking and sweating like this. I'm sweating hard. The, The image bearer, this is the image that God has given us. I want you to reflect me in the world, okay? So what happens is there are a lot of times, there are a lot of times when we deal with pain. I was raped as a child. My daddy left, I had pain, I have sibling rivalry, I have this issue, I have that issue. I got all this stuff on my heart. I have all this pain in my life. I have all of this stuff that really damaged me, all of this stuff that really hurt me, but I'm trying to be strong like a man. I'm trying to be honest like a man because men don't cry, right? That's what culture teaches. us. Men have to be strong. And so I have all of this stuff that is blocking the true image. Of who I am. And instead of us dealing with it, we hide it. Instead of us dealing with it, we hide it. So we go on dates with people. We have somebody who's in our life. We're talking to them. We're building with them. You seem cool. Everything is great. But I'm not really showing you what I'm really dealing with. I'm not really showing you my real issue. Now look, look. Since I'm dealing with this, by default, I'm going to mark you up. You're going to deal with my pain because I'm going through pain. You're going to deal with my abuse because I feel abused in my heart. I don't mean to, but I haven't dealt with my real self, with my real self. And this goes on from relationship to relationship, from job to job, from career to career. But what if I told you how healing starts is when God gets us to a place what if you date yourself? And you see all the things in yourself that are broken. You see all the areas in yourself that need that need wholeness and healing. And what most of us try to do is we try to erase it on our own. We try to fix it on our own. But that, that's not the method that that God wants. That's not the kingdom agenda. All of this dirt, all of this pain, all of this sin, all of this brokenness, this image that you see when you look in the mirror, this is why you don't like what you see? Jesus is like, i died die for you. So stop trying to clean this up. I'm going to blood cover this. I'm going blood cover this. I'm going to cover all of your sin. I'm going to cover all of your pain. I'm going to cover all of your transgressions, everything that you are ashamed of, the stuff that you don't want to talk about, the stuff that you don't want to think about. I'm going to cover all that. I died for it. I hung on the cross for it. I gave my life for it. I'm gonna cover all of this stuff up. And what if I told you the reason that Jerry's preaching is not so that you can see me. The image that I'm bearing is not so that you can see my image, it's so that you can see my notoriety or so that my platform could grow. What if the kingdom agenda is yes, I recognize that I'm flawed. And I can't change it, and I can't fix it on my own. So if I love Jesus, and I give my life to Jesus, he causes me to be blood covered, so now I could be a billboard to the world. You can't see me, all you see is the blood. You can't see all of my stains, all you see is the blood. You can't see my brokenness, all you see is what Jesus has done for me. So now everybody who encounters me, it's not just reflecting me, it's reflecting what Jesus has done in me, what Jesus has done for me, and what Jesus is continuing to do in my life life and if we had men that surrendered our brokenness, that surrendered our flaws and stopped seeing you in the mirror but you see the blood of Jesus who covered everything. You you see the blood of Jesus who shed his life for all of that. I'm not asking for you to be perfect. I have four love languages. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Die to yourself. I follow my principles so that in your life you could be a billboard. When a man loves Jesus, point number one, he's humble. Malachi chapter 6 verse 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to justly to love, mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Kingdom men are humble. Number two, when men love Jesus, we're lovers and we're washers. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Cleansing her by washing with the water through the word. I can't wash her with water if I haven't been washed in the water. I have to be able to wash and I have to be able to love. This is what happens when a man loves Jesus. Men that love Jesus were providers. Providers and protectors. And lastly, we're servers. What if I told you this is the ultimate goal for the kingdom man? To get us to love Jesus so much. Well, you can't see me, but you see what Jesus did in me. And so now I can hold up the blood-stained banner of Jesus and the world could see his image versus my broken image. So, Father God, we pray. Would you bring your men back to a place of falling in love with you? Because the first step in really, really causing this kingdom agenda to change in the earth is by having men in the earth who love you, who live surrendered life to you. And we bind the enemy for his tactics and his schemes to try to interrupt this agenda, but cause for more kings to rise up so that we may exalt you and uphold the bloodstained banner of Jesus where I'm not displaying my image, but I'm displaying the image of what Jesus did for me. In Jesus' name we pray.